Yale Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Laura Brush, a Master of Environmental Management candidate at the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, and I'm pleased to welcome Diane Strauss to the studio today. Diane is the research director of the Yale Initiative on Sustainable Finance, where she develops and conducts research projects. She has seven years of experience in sustainable finance and policy. Before joining the initiative, Diane worked for the think tank Two Degrees Investing Initiative, for the European Policy of the World Wildlife Fund, and for the French investment bank Natixis. Diane is the author of several research papers published with the UNEP Inquiry, France Strategy, and Columbia University, looking into the impact of public policies on the flow of capital for sustainable investments. Diane joins us today to discuss the work of the Yale Initiative on Sustainable Finance, which focuses on embedding sustainability into investment decisions. Thanks so much for joining us, Diane. Thank you, Laura, for having me. So to start, what is sustainable finance and why is it becoming more important to investors and companies? Well, sustainable finance described the fact that investors want to increase their allocation in sustainable investments and take an active role in financing a future that is more sustainable and more resilient than today. So um, the Yale Initiative on Sustainable Finance, we're looking into how investors can better integrate the environmental, social, and governance factors into the investment decision. And uh, I think before we start, it's important to um, um, explain what investors mean. Um, we always, we, we'll talk a lot about investors. So, um, well, you and me, we're employees and we save money uh, for our pension. And this capital is um, gathered by big institutions that are called uh, pension funds. And they delegate the management of these funds to asset managers. So um, the um, pension funds and asset managers all together, we're, we're calling them investors. And these investors, they're managing uh, all this capital. We're talking about trillions and trillions of dollars. Um, and they've become aware of their influence to finance a more resilient future. Um, so sustainable finance has become a very hot topic. And now all asset managers uh, propose environmental, social, and governance um, products to their clients. We've even seen Larry Fink, who's the CEO of a very big uh, asset manager, the largest, that um, manages $4.6 trillion, who wrote to CEOs this year. And he told them that um, the social purpose of companies um, is now going to be embedded in their investment strategies. Um, Michael Bloomberg, who's another very uh, big figure of the financial world, he's um, uh, the founder of all the Bloomberg Financial Services, is now looking into how to integrate climate risk into um, asset management. Um, so all in all, that's, that's a big interest to investors, but the fact is that it's much more difficult than expected to systematically integrate ESG factors into the investment decision. Um, we need to have common thinking about how to do this. And that's why the Yale Initiative on Sustainable Finance is providing uh, rigorous thinking um, and academic thinking around the question. Great. So in practice, how do investors transform their allocations to be more sustainable? There are different strategies. Um, the most straightforward, um, easy to understand is exclusion. Um, that would be asset managers uh, would exclude certain sectors um, who they consider are not in line with social, social purpose, such as tobacco and or weapons. And more recently, you may have heard about divestment. Um, so mm -hmm. divestment is excluding oil and gas. 
Um, so that's called exclusion. Then there is there are a number of integration practices. Um, one of them is a screening. So uh, you'll screen the different companies in which you want to invest and un- understand how they perform and their ESG, um, environmental, social, and governance factors, and decide which one are performing too badly to be integrated or well enough to be integrated. Some of the investors will only pick the best ones, which is called best in class. You'll have other um, other funds that will be more thematics. Some will focus only on, env- on the environment, only on climate change. Some will focus only on social purposes, and some will focus on good governance. Another way that investors can uh, be active about um, the environmental and social and governance factors is um, engaging directly with the companies in which they uh, invest and try and discuss with the management about um, what they consider are the largest risks or largest uh, opportunities around um, climate change or Mm -hmm. um, ESG factors. So all these strategies, they work for, um, they can work for many um, asset managers um, and especially um, we'll see two big families of investment strategies where, where these uh, strategies can be integrated. Um, you'll have investors investing in into stocks and picking stocks based on a real um, knowledge that they've developed um, looking into the company uh, with analysts and uh, fund managers. And these people um, will be called active managers. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll really um, manage the fund Actively, you have another family of investors who are um, just trying to reproduce indexes, um, which are selected stocks um, that have been selected by other uh, institutions, uh, which are called index providers. So they would just like follow a, a list of stocks that are proposed to them and that integrate ESG considerations. Um, the thing is that everywhere in the financial world for the moment we see a rise of passive investment because it's cheaper, it doesn't ask so much labor and knowledge uh, in-house, um, and it can be performed by robots. So that's one of the challenges of, of our work is how to adapt ESG integration to, to passive investing. So you mentioned that sustainable finance is becoming a hot topic, but do you hear skepticism from investors about the ability of sustainable investing to generate returns? Uh, yes, um, that's one of the questions that we have um, by a lot of investors. Um, they want to better integrate environmental, social and uh, governance factors in their investments, but their primary concern is what they called uh, fiduciary duty. Um, and it's the fact that they need to act in the best intra- interest of their beneficiary and, and especially not lose the capital of their of their beneficiaries. Um, but we're seeing an evolution and growing evidence that um, ESG integration um, does not impair value. Um, on the contrary, we think that ESG fa- integrating ESG factor may um, increase the value of a portfolio, um, and, and this for several reasons. The first reason that is that it probably helps mitigate long-term risks. Mm-hmm. So I, I give you an example. Um, let's say that you're an oil and gas company and you have decided to sell oil for the next 50 years, but then suddenly comes a regulations that will cap um, the um, um, carbon emissions that um, you're allowed to produce. Um, in this case, 
a number of assets may be stranded, they may, they may be impaired, they may have lost the va their value because you cannot exploit them, and the value of your company may, may drop. Um, so that's what we call like sustainability risks. And, um, and we think that um, companies who integrate ESG constraints, they are more re resilient to, to sustainability shocks and regulate, regulatory shocks. A second factor why we think that um, ESG may increase financial return is because the companies who integrate ESG concerns develop innovative products that will respond to uh, increasing consumer demand. And a third factor is that actually we've seen some research showing a positive um, um, correlation um, between the quality of the man um, ESG management and the quality of the management. And the quality of the management sends, sends a very strong signal to investors that if the company communicates well within uh, you know, the different departments of the companies and, and the management is also forward-looking, then this may be a, a good um, investment for the future. But to be honest and to answer your question about a clear correlation between mm -hmm. uh, value and um, ESG integration, it's very difficult to demonstrate. There are many studies that have tried to demonstrate this correlation, but they've not really managed to do so because the quality on ESG performance for the moment is pretty weak. So it's difficult to, to draw real trends. Um, and there is also a, a second factor where it's difficult to demonstrate is that we're talking about an added value that um, will take place in the long run, like five to 10 years, uh, while actually the investment horizons of investors is very short. It can be, you know, few milliseconds mm -hmm. and it comes up to three years because that's the length of their mandate um, with pension funds. So it's difficult to have um, a... Um, a match between this time horizon and to integrate ESG factors into the considerations of investors. But as the initiative here, we are, we are building models and, and correlation analysis to try and identify what are the various factors that may influence um, the valuation of the company. And we're also trying to identify the trade-offs. Great. So can you talk more about the challenges that companies face related to these new sustainability demands of investors? Um, yes, sure. So um, the fact is that company um, they struggle to produce information that that the investor need. Um, um, for the moment, the, the data that is produced um, and and conveyed to investors is not very qualitative. It's outdated. It's not comparable, and it's not decision useful. So um, let me give you examples uh, for decision usefulness, which is one of the most important. Mm -hmm. um, the information is backward looking. So, for example, a company is going to communicate its GHG emission of the past year, but that doesn't tell much to investors about um, how the company is going to perform in the future. What investors want to know is what are the risks that are laying on their assets and how, um, what are the operations that are GHG intensive and how the company has decided to innovate or invest to reduce these emissions. Um, the, the information that is provided and, and what our research shows is also that the, the information that is provided by companies is very um, effort-driven. So companies are discussing about that, what they're trying to do. They're trying to reduce GHG emission. They're trying to reduce water consumption. They're trying to improve their um, supply chain management. But it's not very impact Oriented, So we're not sure about what's the impact on local communities. Um, and investors are pushing towards having more informations um, 
on the context um, of the impact, like how the impact takes place depending on the different contexts and, and national contexts, um, such as you know national salaries or, or local environmental conditions. Um, so here at the Yale Initiative, we're, we're, we're thinking to develop a dashboard of countries and um, associated um, um, environmental impact related to, to trade and, and consumption of commodities to help and companies understand what, what are their local impacts. Um, a, a second big flow of the, of the information is that it's outdated. And now we see uh, a lot of um, startups coming up with new um, technologies such as machine learning or um, 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 natural language processing that are digging on the internet right now to find information, uh, fast information that can inform investors about the ESG performance of companies. And so at the Yale Initiative, where we, uh, on sustainable finance, where we want to um, develop a project where we're going to discuss with all these new startups what they do, what's the quality of their mm -hmm. products, what they can do with it and what they can't, and um, because this is going to be very disruptive for the market. A, um, a third criteria of, of why the, the data is not that great for the moment is uh, that it's not comparable. So just if I give you an example, um, companies report on their employee safety and well-being, and some of uh, are going to report injury rates, some are going to report days number of days lost, and some other absenteeism. And uh, the, the investors cannot benchmark the company because they don't have the same uh, kind of data. And uh, to answer to this lack of comparability, we've seen a number of standards that have emerged uh, on the market. But these, all these standards, they have different purposes, different target audience, different understanding. Mm -hmm. And um, the market is very, very fragmented and companies get lost into what they should report. So the inform as a result, the information that is communicated to investors is not very material. And what we're doing at the, um, at the Yale Initiative on Sustainable Finance on this question of comparability is we want to think about what will be the best standard for ESG um, integration. Um, you know, it, it took a lot of time for financial information to be standardized. So we need common thinking around what, what would look, uh, what the standard would look like for ESG um, data. So we are going to organize a call for paper on, on the question uh, in the coming weeks, and, and we're going to gather a lot of experts in our symposium um, on November 2nd to discuss about way forwards for standardization. So you mentioned that some of the information is not material. Can you elaborate on what that means? Yes. Um, so uh, materiality is a very important concept of the disclosure of information. And, and, um, and information is said material to someone when it's likely to affect the overall decision of, of this person. Um, so especially for investors, the in information is material to an investor if it's likely to affect the investment decision of, of these investors. And as a matter of fact, um, the Yale Initiative on Sustainable Finance, we've conducted a legal research to know whether um, companies could be liable if they wouldn't disclose the information that is considered material by investors, especially regarding uh, sustainability, if they could be judged for omitting information. Mm. Um, and we found that actually, yes, it's the case. Um, um, for example, ExxonMobil, uh, the big oil company, was mm -hmm. sued in 2012 by shareholders because it didn't disclose the climate risk that was laying on, it, on, the, on its assets. Mm. So as a result, materiality 
on the question of what is material to investors, what is important to investors, and what's not is is very um, it's a very important concept for companies. Um, it's difficult to know what investors want because they have different needs. So what we're trying to do right now is is develop is developing a um, a kind of standardized process among companies um, that would help them. Um, run the different risks and opportunities related to sustainability and, and, and get thresholds or objective criteria that could help them understand which one they should pick and disclose to investors. Um, and to do this common thinking, we want to gather chief financial officers of the different companies to see how we can already use the tools that they, risks, that they use in terms of risk analysis or um, scenario analysis or um, risk management and see how we can feed um, sustainability criteria, ESG criteria into the analysis. Um, so that's a pretty ambitious uh, project that we, are, we want to run and um, we hope it, it will take place um, in the fall um, 2018. Great. So in terms of the types of companies, is sustainable finance targeted towards only companies that are listed on the stock exchange? Um, well, listed equities are the most advanced market when we talk about integrating sustainability criteria in the investment decision. Um, but there are other key green assets that are emerging. Maybe you've heard of green bonds. Um, green bonds, um, they have experienced a very impressive growth. And uh, their debt product, where the capital um, is actually dedicated only to green projects, what we call green pro proceeds. Um, so here again, the question of standards and definition is very important, um, especially the question of what is green. Um, you could say that windmills are green, but is nuclear green, for example? It's mm -hmm. definitely a low-carbon um, technology, but is it uh, sustainable um, because it's low-carbon? Mm -hmm. um, so, so these questions are um, taking place for a lot of technologies. And um, what happened is that in the absence of a, of a clear and common standards, uh, the market has come up with a number of proprietary definitions, standards, certifications that are actually creating confusion. Um, so here at the initiative, we're, we are researching about what should be the right framework for green bond standards and how we can help uh, increase the lisibility of what is green and what what is not green based on objective um, impact criteria. Um, so that's for, for bonds and debt uh, products on the capital markets, but um, there are also a number of research emerging around um, the ESG information needed for other markets, such as infrastructure, loans, municipal bonds, um, and we're starting to, the, to think how, how we can build already on the knowledge that we have for listed equities um, to feed these uh, investment decisions um, in these markets. And ideally, the objective is to integrate environmental, social, and governance consideration in every single market that exists. And so that does it for this week's episode of On the Environment. You can find out more about the Yale Initiative on Sustainable Finance and the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy at envirocenter.yale.edu. Also follow us on Twitter at Yale Enviro.